Today is the last regular episode of the podcast of this year. Next week, we have our big processing practice where we're going to process the year that's passed. And the week after that, it's already time for our big New Year's intention setting podcast. So today I answer a bunch of different questions from so many of you. We talk a little bit about lack of sleep and how to navigate that. And then we go into loss. I particularly share a little bit of advice around how to navigate dealing with a miscarriage. We also talk about how to manage temper tantrums. And I got a really great question in around passive aggression and how to deal with passive aggressive people, particularly in the workspace. I think it's a really good episode with some really great questions. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with their signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Let's jump in. All right, my friends, can you believe it? We are getting close to the end of the year. I feel like this happened so quickly. Welcome to a brand new episode of the show and welcome to what strangely is the last regular-ish podcast of the year. Yeah, I know. I know what you're thinking. Like, hello, we still have a couple weeks left of 2023. What do you mean? Well, we don't have that many weeks left. And if you have been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that every year, the last two podcast episodes of the year are not regular podcasts, but they are practices. And I feel like this, they came really quickly this year. So next week already, we do our big year's reflection where we have a big reflection practice of just looking back at the year that's been, where we process 2023. And the week after that already is the big New Year's intention setting podcast. So yeah, I'm really, really excited to record and share those practices with you as usual. They are some of our you know, most listened to episodes of the whole entire year. 
We've been doing them for years. I love what a community we have around these podcast practices. They're so awesome. But it means today, as I'm talking to you here now, this is kind of my, yeah, my last little regular check-in, I guess, with you for the year, which is wild. If you have been following me on Instagram lately, you already know I have been kind of in the trenches for the past two weeks. Finn hasn't slept. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, he just decided that bedtime is now like mayhem. And uh, it's been really intense. Yeah, it's been two whole weeks with no nighttime sleep. Uh, like we've been up several times per hour, every hour, all night. Like I really feel like just, I don't know if he like changed, he, he turned the day into night and night into day. I, I don't know what's going on. It's been so crazy and so horrible and so awful until last night, all of a sudden, and I have to literally knock on wood <laughs> as I say this, he slept. So I'm talking to you now like as a as a as a brand new person it's so funny how no matter how sleep deprived we are or how much time we have spent without sleeping properly or sleeping at all give us and when i say us i mean us moms um give us one night of sleep and we're golden like we're back like life is back on track that's literally how i feel he just woke up twice last night to eat which is more of what a regular night used to be even like waking up three times, four times to eat. Like, I'm fine with that, dude. That is cool with me. Waking up 20, 30 times. No, no, thank you. <laughs> I really feel like I've been tortured. Like it's been so intense. And we had this with Leia too, kind of around the same time. So I know it's going to pass, but yeah, I am. Uh, I'm really thankful I did get a night's sleep because honestly, I don't know what this podcast would have been like. I have been so tired. I've been scared to drive the car like I've been actively just choosing not to drive because I I don't trust myself behind the wheel I feel a little bit hungover all the time or that's how I felt uh, just brain fog and yeah my memory's weird I'm saying weird stuff like just sleep has just sleep deprivation has been wild um but now I had a good night so I'm like yay life is awesome <laughs> literally have no problems <laughs> of any kind sleep is it's life it's life we uh, actually are gonna do a little segment of ask rachel on today's show i wanted to have more of a conversation with you before we dive into all the end of year practices and we got so many questions today a bunch of questions so many of you called in with questions and i don't know if they're all going to be about sleep because that's all i've talked about but i don't think so as usual, we're just going to see where these questions take us. So, um, yeah, before I take the first question, I just want to say how happy and thankful I am to have had this year with you, both in terms of just being a new mom again and, you know, going through the ups and downs of pregnancy and birth and newborn time and sleepless nights and all of this and just really feeling like I have this community to share with and to vent to and to get advice from and to talk to. And I've just felt so connected to you all this year. So I'm just so grateful that you're here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Let's take our first question. Okay. Hi, Rachel. Um, my name is Morgan and I'm from Colorado. 
Um, so saying hi from all the way across the world. Um, I'm just sitting here. I don't really have a question. <laughs> I'm just sitting here making my baby's bottle and getting ready to do our nighttime routine. And I just got done watching your story about how hard the nighttime routine is for you and how, like, Dennis taking him doesn't seem to work and how, like, you just are starting to feel PTSD-like feelings whenever nighttime comes. And I just want to tell you that I am so sorry. Um, I don't know if you hear people tell you that you're so sorry, <laughs> as my baby's crying now. Um, but I'm just so I'm I really feel for you, and I just really hope that you are getting everything that you need very soon. I hope that you sleep. I hope that Bear sleeps. Um, and I hope that you know that you're doing a great job and that you are very inspiring to all of us. So I'm sorry. I hope it gets better soon. Sending love. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. Okay, Morgan from Colorado. <laughs> Making me cry. <laughs> uh, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, this is literally, this is literally what I mean. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. Just hearing that. What a wonderful thing to do for a human across the whole world. You know, to just that you took the time in the middle of your busy day with your kids and everything I'm sure you have going on just to call in and tell me that. Thank you. Thank you. If it's one thing I feel just from sharing the struggle and what it's been with the sleep is I really feel a sense of solidarity and togetherness. And it really does help. Like it really, it's one of those few things where even though I think we feel so isolated and alone in the middle of the night, there's nothing more isolating than being awake in the middle of the night with a baby that won't stop crying, especially if you have other people in the house and they're not there with you. It's almost like, yeah, I, I don't know, knowing that Dennis is just in the other room and he's having a great night's sleep. And sometimes that makes it harder for me because I feel even more alone, even though I know he's not in there sleeping, just ignoring me or not caring about us or anything like that. It's because we made that arrangement because it's the only thing that works. Yeah, we've tried like him taking bear in the middle of the night escalates things, makes things so much worse and so much harder. And um, yeah, and I don't know why that is. It sucks, but it is what it is. And just knowing that as I'm up bouncing this baby and, you know, crying with him so many nights, just I'm just crying from despair, knowing I'm not alone and knowing that so many mothers throughout time have done exactly this. That 2 a.m. in the morning, rocking your baby back and forth, walking up and down the room, holding your little one, breastfeeding, nursing, giving them the bottle, however you do it. Just knowing that for as long as there has been people on this planet, there has been mothers doing exactly that. And that is just so comforting. It really is. And I know it's not forever. Everything changes. And I'll look back at this. And yes, I will miss this time. Even the hard stuff, like we end up missing it because in the grand scheme of all of life, this is such a blip in time. It's so short, but it feels so long, you know, 
And uh, yeah, I'm just so thankful to not feel alone. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. Hi, Rachel. This is Gabby from California. I've been a big fan of yours for quite some time, and I listen to your podcast every Friday, and it's one of the joys of my week. My question for you is regarding grief and loss. Um, I know you've navigated that on your own, and I just wanted to know that from you and your perspective as someone who has navigated loss and grief, um, do you have any advice on how to navigate this? Um, I recently suffered a miscarriage a week ago and am just having a hard time um, and having a hard time navigating this type of loss. And I'd just love to hear your thoughts on how to navigate loss and grief and any words of wisdom or healing practices that you found helpful when having to navigate a season of loss and grief in your life. Um, yeah, thanks so much in advance and uh, sending you love. And yeah, thanks so much, Rachel. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, hi, Gabby. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah, I'm welling up here just feeling with you from from afar. I'm so, so very sorry. Yeah, okay, so my uh, heart just pulled me in a bunch of different directions. Something that I just want to share, and this might not at all be something that resonates with you or feels remotely like truth or anything like that, but this is just the first thing that's coming to mind, is a book. Um, I don't know if you've ever read Spirit Babies. It's a really beautiful book. Um, I read it before I was pregnant with Leia for the first time. And uh, in essence, it basically it basically offers this idea that we already have our spirit babies, that our children choose us to be their mothers, to be their parents. They choose their timing. They choose their their when and their how. And we are walking this earthly plane kind of thinking that we have it all figured out, right? Like if we want to conceive here and we want to have babies now and we're going to do this this way with that timing. And that basically even if things happen the way we plan them and we magically get pregnant right at the time when we are trying to be pregnant, and we get to carry a baby to full term and have that baby be born and well. And then we have our kids that way. That even if that happens, that we actually have no control. That the reason that things happened with ease is because our spirit baby chose that time. And in the case with miscarriages or babies that are lost or when things don't go the way we want them to go or the way we so desperately want them to have to happen that our spirit babies are still there that they're still the same spirit can try to make their journey to their mother again and again many times and then for a variety of reasons have that journey kind of paused or 
abruptly stopped in that way just to to journey in another time in another way and I've spoken to mothers who've had many miscarriages who really don't resonate with this as an idea at all and who really felt um, like each each baby was a different spirit and you know so I, I I don't know how you feel about this just as an idea but I have had I have a really good friend who suffered through many miscarriages who when she finally got pregnant and got to carry to full term and had her baby said that she knew that this was the same spirit that's been trying to come through all those times and she just felt it she just knew and that was really comforting to her because it felt less of a loss you know at the end of that but you know grief is such a personal personal journey and what is helpful for one person isn't necessarily helpful for another and especially since we cycle through different stages of grief, sometimes, you know, a book like that can be really helpful. At another stage of grief, it can feel really, you know, you can kind of resent the idea of that. And I think not apologizing for our grief is a really, really important piece that we get to actually own it and let it take up space. For me, that was always very helpful to to not try to, you know, minimize the things that I was feeling, to not sort of belittle myself in that, that I was worried that maybe my grief is taking up too much space or I'm talking about this again or this loss again and maybe everyone is going to be bored with me or they're not going to want to spend time with me. All I do is cry or talk about this person I lost and because I had a lot of those thoughts that maybe I should be done now. And I found that the more space I gave that grief, the more I was able to talk about the person that I lost, the easier it was for me because it sort of allowed those memories and those feelings to stay alive and to continue to flow through my system versus keeping everything inside and just sitting with it. And I've never miscarried, so I can't speak to that specifically but I can imagine and also what I hear from from friends who've had that experience that because miscarriage is something so common and we all know one in four pregnancies etc cetera, etc cetera, that it's almost like the rest of the world expects you to kind of suck it up and move forward right like it's a loss that you that is less accepted to to really grieve out loud to really yeah that that you get less space for it People might even say, you know, just try again, you know, as if it's that easy. And and I just really want to honor the fact that you get to do this for your way and you get to grieve for as long as that grief is present. And that grief might turn into something else and it might grow and evolve and become many different things. But you don't have to get over it. You don't have to keep it quiet. You don't have to, you know be polite and talk about other things or like really let yourself be as wild and as you know inappropriate and I'm using air quotes saying that around how you express that grief people in general are so uncomfortable talking about loss and I'm sure you've had that experience already if you are sharing this with other people that there's just some people know how to be there and it's kind of rare to find them some people know how to just hold space and be present with you as you grieve. But most people have no fucking clue. 
and they're gonna either not say anything, which I always found so awful that I could be going through this life-changing thing. I felt like life had ended and then people are pretending like nothing happened. And maybe they were trying to do that, you know, to, to not make things worse or they don't want to pull or scratch at that wound or they just don't know what to say, right? But I always found it so awful and felt so uncomfortable whenever I was in the presence of people who didn't acknowledge what had happened. Um, when I lost my best friend, I had so, so much of that where I felt like talking about my loss made people uncomfortable. And then I realized that those people are just not the right people for me right now. And then there are other people who just know how to be there. And it it's less, I think, about saying the perfect thing, you know, knowing the whatever, you know, wise piece of advice to give someone. And it's it's much more about just knowing how to be there being vulnerable with you, letting themselves be intimate with you, sharing a little bit of that burden and just answering the phone when you call, listening when you share, like having a hand to hold or a shoulder to cry on or just someone who is there because, yeah, no matter how much we want to, we can't really share that grief or give it away. It's just something that we have to that we have to feel on our own and, and process on our own. And the more people we have sort of by our sides and at our back to, to be there with us as we go through that experience, the, the less alone we're going to feel, right? So I don't know if this is helpful, but, but yeah, I'm so, so sorry. And um, especially when it comes to a miscarriage, it might be helpful to have some sort of ritual around that. I don't know if you've had that experience already. Maybe you've sat in ceremony somehow to honor them. But I, I could imagine that it might be, might feel really good to have some sort of ritual. The same way we get to have a, when someone dies, we get to have a funeral and we get to have the ritual and the process leading up to that and ways to gather and, and, and ceremonies to kind of celebrate that person's life and to close that life and to, yeah, there's so much in there that I think is really, that we do in community that is also really healing. And of course, when a woman miscarries, we don't have any rituals around that. We have to create our own, right? We're not raised even talking about it. Um, so maybe sitting down and just to see if, if there is a, a ceremony or a ritual or something that that would feel helpful to you, whether that's something that you do on your own or something that you do with your partner or something you invite your people to, you know, where you let your closest people, family and friends come and be there. And um, yeah, maybe there is a, a little altar or maybe something in nature, maybe writing them a letter, maybe lighting a candle, maybe saying a few words, maybe, you know, Sit with that a little bit and see if there is some ritual that would feel helpful. Um, because rituals are important. I really think they are. And maybe it feels like it's too soon and you don't want to do that right now. But there might come a time where, where you want that kind of closing, if that makes sense. So just a thought, just a suggestion. But thank you so much for... Mm, Thank you for calling in, and I'm so sorry for your loss. Mm -hmm.
Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Hey, Rachel, this is Haley. I'm just calling in to see what you do to deal with passive aggressive coworkers or just people in general in your life. If you're like me, you're very empathetic and passive. And so when these kind of things happen in a public spectrum, I'm not really very equipped to deal with them. And I'm just trying to figure out maybe if you have a little bit of insight. Um, I love you. I've been following you forever, and I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day. Love you so much. Oh, hi, Haley. Uh, This is a tough one. It really, really is. I think passive aggression is, it's, it's just, it's the worst. I would much rather take aggression, aggression, like real anger, real, alive, visceral anger, if it's contained in a way that feels, you know, grounded, I'll, I'll take that any day over that, that like passive aggressiveness. It's so, it's really toxic and it really can spread. Like it can really, really ruin a, ruin a group and ruin a day. I, I know what you're talking about. Depending on the scenarios, I don't know how you, I don't know what, what went down or, or what the dynamics are at, at work with what you're sharing, but when those things come my way, I like to confront them. And that's just my way. Uh, I'm actually not a very passive person uh, at all. I don't mind confrontation. I don't love confrontation. I mean, who does? But I I would rather deal with the confrontation and figure out what's what's hiding underneath the surface here. Like there's some sort of resentment, frustration, jealousy, unhappiness, like something's going on. And it's really toxic and it's here, it's underneath the surface, but everybody can feel that it's, it's happening. And it's much healthier to have that out in the open and to have the actual confrontation 
and to hear the words spoken out loud of, well, here is what I'm unhappy with, or here is what I don't like, or here is what I resent. It's better to have that, that truth out there than to have someone be passive aggressive and sort of infect a whole, a whole working group or a whole, yeah, I don't know what relationship exactly it is. So if you feel safe doing that, if it's a person you actually feel like, okay, you're going to be listened to or you have the ability to to confront a little bit, I I would. I definitely would. I would find uh, uh, probably, you know, spend some time just contemplating what is a really good time to to catch them because you don't want to do it in front of other people. You want to try to find a, a calm moment in the day. Maybe asking them just to to grab a cup of tea or, hey, you want to go for a walk or I would love to sit with you for a second. And just from a, a grounded place, right? So not from a place of, of being heated or, hey, I want to have a fight now or not from that drama place, but just from a grounded place of, hey, I get the feeling that something's unspoken here. I get the feeling that that maybe there's something we need to air out. Like I get the feeling, I get the feeling something isn't 100% right. Like, is everything Okay. And sometimes approaching a person from that end, because probably if they're, if they're, you know, going around being passive aggressive, like they're struggling with something, they're in pain somehow, they're unhappy about something and they're just not able to connect with a mature tool or a mature resource to actually work through those feelings, right? Because the mature thing to do is to speak up if you're unhappy about something, right? And Or to take it straight to that person. And this is a really, like they're acting from a place of just immaturity. And somewhere inside, there is an inner child that feels scared or wounded or left behind or abandoned. Like there's something going on there. And I find sometimes if we catch people in the right way, there might be an opportunity just for some vulnerability there. And it might start with, hey, is everything Okay are you okay? And you might feel slighted, you might feel pissed off, you might not at all be in a place where you want to approach this person this way. But I have had relationships like that, or acquaintances or people in my life like that, where I'm just like, oh, I can't believe they're acting this way. This is so bitchy. This is so not okay. Where I approach them and I go, hey, can I do something for you? Like, is there something that you need help with? Are you okay? And asking a question like that in a vulnerable way, if you mean it, if you really like, is there a way that you can show up for that person? They might need help with something. They might be going through something really awful and they feel all alone and they don't know how to express it, right? It's just very disarming to approach, to be approached in that way. And they might clam up and go like, that's none of your business. (laughs) You don't know me in that way. Why would you ask me that? Like they might not, you know, open up at all. Or they might go, hey, a person just asked me how I'm doing in a real way. Like they just asked if I'm I'm okay. Maybe they're not okay. Maybe they've been waiting all day, all week, all year for someone to ask that question. They might just open up and share. Um, You know, it's impossible to know. But I would go that route. And um, if that's not possible, yeah, if that's not possible, I just, I have a really hard time continuing to, to, to deal with relationship dynamics that are toxic. Like for me, I wouldn't work to continue remaining in that relationship. But if it's a work person, if it's not, if it's a coworker and you can't, 
you know, you're probably not going to be able to escape them. So avoiding those dynamics as much as possible if you can't air it out and get some clarity or some healing to happen there. I guess it's also possible to ask for a, for a third party to mediate. Maybe you have an HR department or something. But I really think approaching this in the mo most human way possible and to try to look at the person as a person who is deeply struggling because for sure they are. And, uh, you know, you can't lose anything by trying to, to reach out that just vulnerable hand of, hey, are you okay? I don't know. You never know. I don't know if this is good advice, but it's what I got. <laughs> Thank you, Haley. Hi, Rachel. This is Melissa from Michigan. I absolutely love you. I found you through Spotify like four years ago on your playlists and then have been just so excited to follow along in your journey, intention-setting practices. I look forward to those every year. Uh, they've been truly transformational. Really, you were really the um, person responsible for getting me to meditate. Um, so I'd just love to know what you're going to do next. Are you going to do more Yoga Girl Lives? Are you going to add any more content to the Yoga Girl website? I'd love to have more guided meditations. I'd love to have some more live yoga practices or, if anything, some more Spotify um, update playlists. So that would be great. I know you're in family mode. I know you have a lot going on, but would love to see more and hear what your thoughts are for um, next year, for what we can expect to see from you. Love you very much. All my love. And uh, I'm a big supporter. Thank you. Oh, hi, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. And uh, yes, <laughs> okay, so for this year, we actually just sat with this question this week. Are we going to do a live intention setting practice on yogagirl.com, which I've done the past couple of years. And I've always felt a little bit like I love doing the live session on the platform where we all sit together at the same time and it's video and it's filmed and, and you know, it's, I, it's, it's, it's really beautiful to gather in that way. But I have felt over the past couple of years like I'm almost doing the same thing twice a little bit um, because the big practice is the free practice here on the podcast every single year. Like this is always sort of the, the meat of the practices here. Um, and then to gather together was more of like the cherry on top to get to do some deepening work around that. And usually with a little bit of movement, like I really love love the intention setting practices that we've done on yogagirl.com. And this year, we've just so struggled with how to find the time. And um, Dennis works full time now, and we don't have anyone else to film or produce like it's him and I. We don't have anyone here to help with the baby. And it's just, I haven't slept. Like really, I think that's kind of the core of it, that the past couple of weeks, the idea of somehow swinging a live session within the next week was just like an impossibility. And uh, we decided, okay, no, this is the year. I, we just do it on the podcast. We don't do the live on yogagirl.com. And, uh, and that's going to be that. But then I slept today. <laughs> like I have one night's sleep. And literally today at breakfast, I was like, shouldn't we do the live session anyway? And then it's just like, oh my God, like you have to make a decision. Like it's literally coming up now. It's like in the next two weeks. If we're going to do it, we have to plan it. We have to, you know, we haven't done a live in so long. 
uh, I did a pregnancy, like a prenatal class be, yeah, at the end of pregnancy, but it's been a long time. So yeah, the, the judge is still out on this one. I haven't decided yet, but I, I will let you know at some point within the next couple of days, because I have to really make this decision. But the podcast practice is on. We have the reflection for, for the end of year is going to be next week. And the week after that is the big intention setting. And I'm so happy to hear that they are valuable to you. They really are to me too. They, they are some of my favorite episodes to record. And I love doing the practice and I love sharing the practice. So when it comes to next year, so I actually have, I have something exciting coming um, really soon. I know that's so like cryptic and, you know, it sucks when people say that and you don't know what it is, but I do have something that I'm excited to share and I'm, I'm in a really big place of not knowing with so much right now. I'm on maternity leave, whatever that means. I'm still do, doing the podcasts. I'm always going to do the podcasts, uh, the daily practice, the daily show, and then this one. But my fingers are itching for something. And I just have not settled into what that thing is. I want to do more lives on the platform. I've just been, I've been really uninspired. I mean, I've been busy, pregnancy and baby and everything. But even before that, I felt like I was in a big transitional space. I, I did the home course. I don't know if, if you guys listening, if you remember the the home course, it's still on the site on yogagirl.com. You can find the self-study version of the home course, which is nature-based practices to connect us to our essence and to connect us to, to Mother Earth. And that that's basically the last thing I've created that I was really excited about, where I felt it in my bones, in my heart, like this is this is the thing. But I'm not excited to just like teach a yoga class anymore. And I haven't been for a long time. There's something new that's going to be birthed through me. And I just don't, and we have not, no, no more babies for now anyway, but there's going to be some kind of offering. And I don't know what it's going to look like yet. I just, I just really don't know. I, the other day I was thinking, okay, I so badly want to do a retreat. It's been so long since I taught a retreat. I so want to do one. And then like, what would that look like? What would I teach? What would I talk about? Who would I be? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. And it's kind of scary to sit in that not knowing. It's been really comfortable to wear all these different kinds of hats in my professional life of here's what I teach and here's what I share and here's what I offer and this is what I do. This is who I am. And now I just, I don't know. I don't know anymore what those roles are and what those hats are and I just know I want to find my way back to something that I feel really passionate and excited about and share that with you and share that with the world I just don't know exactly what it's going to be yet so I guess what I want to say is just thanks for being here while I figure stuff out it's really scary to it's scary to not be pushing out content like a crazy person in this day and age where literally that's everything, you know, just people sharing content and creating new courses and making playlists and making reels and posts and videos and, you know, people doing coaching sessions. And I mean, it's just endless. People are just sharing content infinitely all day. And I'm not... I've been doing that for a long time and 
you know, always had something new to share or here's a new thing or a new book or a new, and now like it's been a long time and I'm not really sharing anything. And it's a little bit scary to be in that place because yeah, everyone, every single person listening to this now might go, eh, that like Rachel, like she doesn't even like share anything anymore. <laughs> she doesn't have anything to offer anymore. So why would I stay tuned over there? Like, why would I continue to follow along? And I'm trying to really just not go with that fear to not produce stuff just from a place of fear, just from a place of being worried that I might lose this community or, yeah, I, I don't want to create from that place. I want to create just from love and excitement and joy. And right now, I don't know what that is. I don't know. Might be a book, might be a course, might be live classes, might be new meditations, might be a new website, might be a new, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> might definitely be a new Spotify playlist though. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I feel kind of embarrassed to share. I have a bunch of new <laughs> Spotify playlists for yoga practices. I just haven't made them live. Like I'm just doing that and it's just me like vibing in my living room. So an, a really easy thing I can do for you is to just like share those. I'm going to do that, that I'm going to do. So yeah, thanks for staying tuned while I figure life out because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, I think I've made that clear. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, Rachel. My name is Megan. Um, I'm from upstate New York. And the question is around Christmas. I really loved your last podcast where you talked about your winter rituals. But I would love to also hear um, how you dress Christmas um, on the farm. How do you deal with, you know, uh, present giving um, with Leia and all of that? How do you create a tradition that is special for your family? Um, I've talked to my kids a lot about um, the importance of this season, um, absent of the presence, but I'm just wondering if you could give any insight into how you make this season really special. Oh, hi, Megan. Okay, it was a little bit tricky to hear you. I think you were in the car, but your question is about Christmas and the holidays and how to make this time really intentional and special, especially for your kids. Um, so I love Christmas. Okay, I'm a Christmas nut and I'm married to a Grinch. So it's a little bit of a of a balance every year. Actually, who am I kidding? It's not like we're trying to find the balance. It's all Christmas all the way. <laughs> and then Dennis just has to deal with it. Well, kind of. 
So I love Christmas. I really, 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 really adore Christmas. And one of the things that I try to do every year that I feel like I have actually successfully done this year is stretch the Christmas feeling. Every year I I end up feeling really stressed around the holidays and like I have to make so many things happen and everything is kind of leading up to this big day and then all of a sudden Christmas is over and it's like, wait, wow, it passed so quickly. So I decided this year to start really early with gentle things that we do together to bring Christmas home, you know, to bring that Christmas spirit around. And uh, one of the things that we do is we do a family advent calendar. It's a really fun thing. I so recommend doing that. It's There's already so much, you know, so much focus on gifts and stuff. And and I, I try to, as much as possible, shift away from that. Like, of course, Leia's going to get gifts and Finn will also get gifts. But that's not the focus of the whole thing. Like, they get enough of those messages from everywhere else, like school and friends and TV and all the stuff. Like, everything is about Santa bringing gifts. So for the family advent calendar... What I do is I sit down and I think about family activities that are easy. And that's really the the most important part, that are easy and accessible. So it can't be activities where I have to like, you know, it's a huge stretch for me to pull them together. They can't be extravagant or crazy or require like me moving a mountain, you know. Easy stuff, like day-to-day stuff, things that probably we would do anyway at some point, but I make them into actual family rituals. And then I write them down and then every day, so we have this, it's like an advent calendar with little pockets every day of, of, of for every day of December or leading up to Christmas. And what we did this year is every other day, there is a little something and that little something is like maybe a little game or it's something that we can do together as a family it's, or it's like a little gift, it's a little something. Very, very, very small and more family, like a family gift for us to use. And every other day is an activity. And that activity so far, we have done family game night where we did charades was the first one. So easy. We could swing that together in like half an hour before Finn's bedtime. You know, it wasn't like a hard thing to get to. But Leia, from the moment in the morning, she opened that, you know, that day's um, activity She reads it out loud. She's so excited. Oh my God, charades. She loves charades. She thinks about it all day. On the bus getting home, she's like remembering, like we have family game night tonight. We're doing charades. It's the first thing she talks about when she gets through the door, preparing for it, like planning, you know, writing the cards out, like doing the whole thing. And then we do charades and it's just 30 minutes of our time that day. But it was like the whole day for her, you know? And it was something that I could do, even though I'm sleep deprived and tired and baby and all that stuff. Um, So we have a bunch of different games. One of the gifts in the advent calendar was an Uno. We didn't have our own like Uno game. And then the next day was to play Uno, (laughs) right? Um, We had Pictionary. We had other things like not just game night, but like snowball fights and a bunch of craft things that we did so far. What else? Baking and candy making was in there. So it's just kind of thinking of ways to bring the family together for experiences, because that's what that that is what brings the Christmas spirit is the things we do together. And I really tried all month of December to focus on that, just the things that we do together. And when it comes to gift giving, 
you know, when, when we are planning and, and preparing gifts for other people, we try to do it homemade. I try to really focus like everything that we're giving, that's that it's something that we can create together, make together, wrap together, not just going to stores, pointing at stuff and then putting it under the tree. And then, you know, by the time Christmas rolls around, like she's forgotten what's there for other people. But if we've made something, if she's made something, like she knows if there's care and thought and intention there, she knows what that thing is. And it's just so different to give someone a homemade gift than to give someone stuff, right? And then something that I struggle with a little bit is just the idea of all the stuff. I I don't want her to feel left out, like she gets less things than everybody else. And we have a little bit of a challenge. Um, So we spend a lot of time with my dad's family, with my dad and his wife and their kids. We love them. I mean, they're my little siblings. They're the same age as Leia. So I have a little sister that's four, a sister that's Leia's exact age. She's six weeks older than Leia. They go to the same school. You know, they play all day, every day. Um, And then a little brother that's eight. So they're all like when all four of them hang out, they're like a little gang. They're more like cousins, really, than aunts and uncles, right? And the nephews and everything that they are to each other. It's so weird, I know. But they get along so well. They play so well. It's so awesome to have them so close. But their family, they do a lot of stuff different. Um, Just, you know, every family does stuff completely different and there's no judgment. This way is the better way. This way is the worst. No, it's just people do things differently. And we all just went to the Maldives together for two weeks, all the kids together and it's vacation. So my dad lets the kids drink soda. That's what they do. They drink soda at their house. They drink soda, you know, um, sometimes with food and just sometimes in the day to day and sometimes on the weekends and and we have like a no soda household. Like there's never soda here. Le- Leia has never seen soda at the house. Like she's never had that experience ever. So suddenly we're at the Maldives and the other three kids get to have soda every day. And Leia doesn't. And I had to really sit down like at the beginning of that vacation when I realized like day two, like this is going to be a problem. The whole thing is going to be an issue. I have to decide like I'm either going to let her drink Coca-Cola every day which is something that it's just like every fiber of my being kind of fights that. It's also kind of telling her that my principles don't matter, that our like family, our way of doing things in our family only matters sometimes, but not now. It also kind of, it's like a boundary that I'm crossing myself. Like it, it created a whole set of issues if I were to all of a sudden go, okay, we never drink soda in this house, but all of a sudden, for two weeks, we're going to have Coca-Cola every day because these kids get to do that. And I was like, no, you know what? We're not going to do that. And I had to sit her down and I had to have a really kind of a mature talk with her and just explain, like, we do things differently. Every family has their way of doing things. And this is why we don't drink Coke. And they do. And it's okay that they do. But we're going to find uh, something delicious for you to drink every single day. We're going to make it exciting. And I promise you, you're going to feel so much better drinking these things than you are if you drank the Coke. So every day she just kind of, okay, what do I, what are my options today? Okay, well, there's coconut water and we can mix that with this kind of juice. And she got like crazy fun looking mocktails and smoothies. And, and at the end of it, it was just like a few days that were a struggle. And then she let it go. She really did. And she was excited about her drinks. And in the end, like her drinks looked more fun and more exciting than the Coke did, right? But so she's already kind of 
used to the idea that, you know, like it's okay that we have certain things that we do and certain things that we don't do. And it's not going to be the same as everybody, every other family, right? And that includes gifts and stuff. So we decided for actual Christmas Eve, like we're not going to do a big gift giving thing with all the kids where all the kids get all their gifts at the same time. Because those kids, like my siblings, probably get 10 times the amount of gifts that Leia gets. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> it's just they have a different way and they for sure get more gifts and more things than Leia's going to get. And to make sure that we don't have like a comparison kind of thing there, we're just not going to do, we're going to do one gift each at Christmas Eve altogether. And then everybody else gets to do the rest of the gift giving at home, like with their own, in their own space. By the way, uh, Christmas Eve is our big day in Sweden. We don't do Christmas Day at all. So all the gift giving happens on Christmas Eve, in case you're confused by that. So yeah, so that's just kind of like a way I'm navigating that a little bit. But it's hard. It really is. It is hard. And if I think back at why I find Christmas so magical, like what I love about Christmas, the things I remember about Christmas from being little, I can't really remember a single gift. Like I don't have any clear memory of wanting a gift, like a specific toy or a specific thing, and then getting that thing and then having the thing be the thing, you know, having the thing be the, the thing that made Christmas. No, like I remember making marzipan candies with my mom and my brother. We we did that every year at a certain point. We made little Santas and little snowmen and melting chocolate. Like that's the thing that we do. Um, it's something that I do with Leia now. I remember craft making, like making our own little wooden. Um, today, actually, as I'm recording this, it's Lucia, which is uh, December 13th every we have a big holiday here in Sweden. It's a holiday of light, like the saint of, of light. And we would make little little Lucia people. <laughs> I don't know if this makes any sense. But like with felt and pipe cleaners and glue gun, using the glue gun and stuff like that. Like I remember those things. And I remember going ice skating. And I remember being out in the snow. Like I remember the things we did. And I know for sure that that's what she's going to remember too. It's the things that we do together. And the more we focus on those things and really elevating the excitement of that, I think that's really what Christmas is about. Anyway, that's what I think. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hi, Rachel. My name is Kate. I am calling from Florida. Um, I just wanted to know how you dealt with your daughter's 
uh, toddler tantrums or if she had toddler tantrums. I am in the middle of the toddler phase with my daughter, and she is a handful. Um, my husband and I really uh, kind of come at it from different perspectives in that I really try to just let her write it out, and he can't tolerate it. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to know how you dealt with it and how you plan on dealing with it. And, yeah, that's really it. Okay, thanks. Bye. Oh, hi. Oh, the toddler tantrum years. I know I probably have some of that <laughs> in my near future. Oh, you know, I feel with you. So the I, I'm trying to really think back. We never had major, major, like when I look back at Leah's kind of toddler years, we we had a, a I can't remember how old she was even. But I do remember her going through that first initial phase of just kind of, yeah, you know, the toddler tantrum of like losing it at the grocery store, lying face down, just like banging her fists at the floor, like the whole thing, the whole thing, like we know, we know what happens. And one of the things that we started doing the moment this started happening, and I can't remember who gave me this advice, but it was someone who gave it to me as advice. Like I, I literally didn't know what to do. And that was to spend way more time preparing her for all the things ahead. <laughs> and to really figure out like the window she was in, in terms of understanding time, where I, I think I just kind of thought that, well, she's just tagging along for stuff like the way now Finn, Finn is five months old, I could tell him all about our day. And I actually do like if we're doing something scary, like going in the car, he hates the car. I spend some time telling him beforehand, like we're going to go in the car today and mama's going to sit next to you and you're going to get to eat and it's going to be uncomfortable and then we're going to get to town and then we're going to, you know, even though I know he doesn't understand what I'm saying, like he has no clue, but I like to believe that there's something soothing about me just sort of informing him like about what of what's about to happen because it's so easy that we just bring our little ones along and it's like, well, they can't cognitively like understand the concept of a schedule or you know, the whole day ahead or the whole week or month ahead, you know, so why would I share with them everything that's about to happen? Like that's, that's a little weird. But when someone recommended this to me, that when Leia started having those tantrums was like, you need to prepare her better for what's ahead. Even if she's going to forget about it, even if she can't fully understand it, the more you're able to actually guide her through what's coming before it's come the easier it's going to be for her to navigate and the less surprises she's going to have about what's happening. So we started doing that really meticulously, like really, really, really meticulously. And it took a little while for me to figure out like how far in advance could I prepare her for something before it became too far. Like several days ahead wouldn't work. Like she didn't have the concept of like, oh, on Friday, like what does Friday mean? Like in three days, like what does that mean? But tomorrow, like she understood that, and today, and later today, and now, you know, just really preparing her for what is coming. And even if it was just at breakfast in the morning, having that habit of like talking through the day. 
So we're having breakfast now and then we're going to go put our clothes on and we're going to brush our teeth. And then after that, we're going to go in the car and we're going to go to Island Yoga. And at Island Yoga, we are going to see Jess. And I'm just like kind of talking her through the big points of stuff. And that just meant that she kind of had it in the back of her little head that at some point we're going to get in the car, right? And if I didn't do that, and she's just like in her room or playing or doing whatever she's doing, and all of a sudden I'm grabbing her to put her in the car, like that would be too sharp of a transition for her. No one had told her she's going to go in the car. No one had told her we're leaving the house. Like that was a big change big moment of change to deal with for a two-year-old or however old she was and all of a sudden like she's on the floor you know crying doesn't want to put her shoes on doesn't want to leave the house and I'm like in despair like why doesn't she want to get in the car we go in the car every day and I realized on the days where I didn't do the preparation for stuff where I didn't talk her through things before they happened those were the days that were really hard I think being prepared gives them just a semblance of control, right? And the more things they can control, the better. So that was one thing. And then the other thing, speaking of control, was to just give a lot of options, like give them a lot of options to take charge of things themselves in a safe way. Like all the things that didn't really matter where she wanted to do something, I would let her do it making a mess somewhere. She wanted to be the one to put the toothpaste on the on the toothbrush, like things that maybe I wasn't super excited about. Like, hey, but if I do it, it's a little bit less messy. But letting her do it gave her a feeling of I get to do things my way. And the more things in the day I could offer her that she could choose and control and do on her own, the less of a fight the things that she has no control over ended up being. Like, does she get to choose if she brushes her teeth at all? No, we brush our teeth every day. Like, she, that's not negotiable. But everything else leading up to that, like, what PJ to wear? What clothes to wear every day? Which shoes to put on? Like, I would give her three options that all worked for that day. Just giving lots of options for them to exert control on their own. Like, that was also really, really helpful, I remember. And then the last thing that I would just say when it comes to just the tantrum thing is to remember that feeling our feelings is the most healthy way through. That feeling a big wave of anger all of a sudden arise and pushing that down and not letting it out and not telling anyone and not yelling and not raising our voice and not letting our body express it that's the unhealthy path. Like that's really the unnatural path. That's the thing we do as adults that literally like makes us blow up in the end or makes us depressed or gives us road rage or, you know, makes us reach for alcohol or ways to escape. Like pushing the feeling down is not the sane, natural human thing to do. That's actually the thing that causes tons of issues in the long run. Feeling the feeling and expressing the feeling is the natural thing to do. So the fact that our kids do that, that our toddlers do that, there's nothing wrong with them. That's not something that we need to make stop, right? The point is not to make the feeling stop. The point is to be a safe space for that feeling to continue to be felt until it's done. And when we approach a a tantrum in that way, that it's my job to just keep them safe like it's my job to keep Leia safe and to to give her an anchor and a feeling of safety in 
this big scary feeling of anger or sadness or whatever it is that's going on inside of her. Like it's just my job to be there with her and to be steady with her so that she's not alone. And when we try to shut a tantrum down, we're kind of teaching them that feel, this, this feeling is not okay. This feeling is scary. This feeling is unacceptable. And I think going that route just really creates, it doesn't create an emotionally healthy adult, right? Like that's how we were raised our generation and generations past. It's like, don't cry, sit down, be quiet. Anger is not okay. And I just, I really wanted to do things differently with her. Like, how can I teach her that anger is not only valid, but it's important. Like it's a, as important of an emotion to honor as happiness and excitement. Like this anger has its space. You're angry right now. Okay, so what can we do? How can we express that anger together in a healthy way? Like what's a safe way for her to express that anger? And I remember we would like go to the couch or I would find something soft and I would mirror her like she'd be angry and I would like make a fist and I would make an angry face. I'm like, you're angry right now. I can tell that you're angry right now. Like, oh, how would it feel to to punch this pillow? Or like, you know, how does it feel in the body? Like give her something soft and gentle that she can kick or punch. And then eventually, eventually it would become kind of like a game where, okay, she's angry and then she could get that through her body and then the anger would pass and she would laugh instead. Like, I don't know if that's helpful to hear, but that's just, that's what I need. When I'm angry, I need a soft pillow to punch or I need a safe space to get that anger through my system. I don't need to push it down and swallow it and sit up tall and be polite and quiet, right? Like that's such a bizarre way to deal with anger. So just modeling some examples to let that anger through. And um, reminding them that anger is natural, like it's normal. Like when I was little, I used to feel that way all the time, all the time. So how can we be just a safe place for that rather than try to make it stop? Because trying to make it stop, we all know that it's the opposite of validating the feeling. It's telling them this is not okay. That feeling is not okay. Like you're not safe in your body with this feeling. So stop it right now. And it's like, let, let it happen. And any person that looks at you or gives you like a side eye as you're dealing with your toddler having a public tantrum, like that person either has no kids or they were raised to repress all those healthy emotions. And that's just the saddest thing. Every other person, like no one is looking at you with anything other than compassion, right? If you have kids yourself, like you know what it's like. And um, yeah, just good luck good luck. <laughs> and um, yeah, take care of yourself throughout. That's important too. Okay. Let's do a last question of the day. Hi, Rachel. This is Ashley. Um, really quick. I was at your New York birthday book tour thing and I was one of the last people in line and I asked you for a photo and I'm really sorry about that. That's been on my mind for years. So I had to get that out of the way. Um I recently just quit my job. I'm a chef, and I'm trying to branch out and do my own business, um, like private chef, personal chef, and I'm really struggling with the steps and how to, like, stay motivated, and I was just wondering if you could offer some business insight and, and how you started and how you found the right people to, like, help guide you. I'm really struggling with having people around me no one's ever done this before, 
and I don't know how to find the right people to help support me. Thank you. Have a good day, everyone. Oh, Ashley. Hi. Hi. First of all, that it's totally okay. Oh my God. I, I took that picture with you because I wanted to take that picture with you. Trust me. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for apologizing, for asking for a photo. But if you didn't, you would be the only person out of like 600 people who didn't. So don't, 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 don't worry. Okay. Uh, I can't believe that was on your mind for years. It didn't have to be. So thank you for sharing and don't worry about it. Okay. So you said this so beautifully at the very end. You don't know how to call in the right people to help support you. And I really think just by asking this question, just by thinking in this way, you are already on your way doing that. Like really just identifying the fact that you need to call in people to support you on this path in your life. Like that is a major, major moment of clarity right there. Being an entrepreneur, going out on your own, doing your own thing, like that's really scary. And it has so many levels of things that have to be figured out along the way. And almost every single one of those things can be answered with the help of the right person, with advice from someone who has done something similar, uh, with connections, people that can put you in touch with the right people. It's all there. Like the answer to this question is, is community. And you're really, truly sitting there so clear on what you need. So what I would do, I am 1000% certain that this has been done before, probably not in the same exact way that you're doing it. And of course, you have your own niche and your own unique skill and your own unique way and specific thing that you're doing. But you are not the first chef to branch out on your own. And I bet you there are communities already existing, but there are people so excited to give you advice for free. I mean, I'm sure, I'm certain, certain, like there are Facebook groups and people on LinkedIn and maybe even podcasts and people on social media. And I'm, I'm certain that they exist where you can put a call out for some support, specific support in, in the area that you need support, where you are looking for a mentor, you're looking for inspiration, you're looking for actual advice. Like, where are those people? Are, are we talking about you need a group in your regional area or you need a group in your area of business? I, I'm just sitting here so certain that it's not about, like, you're already asking the right question. It's just finding the circle. Like, where is the circle for you? So, yeah, I guess that's my question back to you. Like, have you done that? Have you asked the questions that need to be asked in the right setting? Like, have you found any of those groups? I think Facebook probably is a really great place for this. I turn to Facebook groups for so many things, um, you know, questions around motherhood or questions around the business or um, there's just so many of these groups already in existence, I'm certain. So that's what I would do if I were you. I don't know if this is helpful at all, but to really seek your way to those existing communities. And something you can absolutely do is, I don't know if you have a person that you look up to in this field, someone who has done something similar in a successful way, to go to that person and ask for advice. 
I have that all the time. People send me an email or they DM me, but usually it's via email of someone wanting to start a business or it's a new yoga teacher or it's something through social media where someone has just a really specific path that they want to take. And they're just asking me business advice or advice on what to do next, just from following me online, seeing that I have done something sort of similar in a similar space. And I love answering those emails. I really, really do. Even if it's just like one little piece of advice or putting them in touch with a person who has a skill that I know they could really need. Um, so reaching out to people who have done similar things, like what's an awesome kick-ass chef that you love to follow who you're so inspired by and chances are you haven't reached out because you're like oh they're so busy or they're so famous or they're so like you'd be surprised at how often people actually answer those kinds of those kinds of questions so I would definitely give that a try like reach out to the people who've inspired you so far and then um yeah finding those circles what about Reddit? I know Reddit can be like a dark hole on the internet too, but there's actually also so many, so many helpful people there as well. So just keep asking those questions, I think, and then see if you can find your way to the right circle. Because I, th I think people generally want to be helpful, especially if you've acquired a skill in a specific area and you know what it's like to do that grind of like being out on your own. It's really gratifying to be able to offer advice and support to people who are doing something similar. So I just, I wish you the, the best of luck and I'm really proud of you that you're doing your own thing. You sound really confident. I'm, I'm certain that you're on your way already. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today, everybody. As I said, next week we have our big processing podcast. So it's a practice, not a regular show. You're going to get to sit down with your journal and your pen, and we're going to go through the year. Really, we're going we're gonna to dig in and we're going to process 2023. I am so excited for that. So I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.